welcome to the We Hunt Podcast. We're your hosts, Todd Ellis and Jake Smith. Let's get this started. Welcome back to the fourth episode of the We Hunt Podcast. Todd, do you want to go ahead and get this one started? Yeah, this one's going to be on on the rut, man. We're in November. We're technically at the tail end of November now, right here at Thanksgiving. But uh, we'll go over the uh, the three main phases of rut. I mean, we can break it down and you know, have six, seven different phases, but there's three main phases. You've got pre-rut, you've got rut, and then you've got post-rut. So let's uh, let's start this one off with uh, pre-rut for our area is uh, last week of October, first couple weeks of uh, November coming in all the way through. I would push it as far as the third week of November here, which is just bucks marking territory, you know, horning trees, scraping the ground, and trapping. Not so much that they're they're leaving their home ranges yet, but, you know, until they get pushed out anyway. They're traveling, they're checking. Those ain't there yet, but they're hassling them. And uh, you get a little bit of response to some grunt calls. You get a little bit of response from uh, some rattling horns, light, light rattling anyway. But uh, here in North Carolina, especially, you know, our area right here at the foothills, we're probably a little chillier than anywhere else besides the uh, actual mountains of North Carolina. But the weather can be crazy here during rut. And uh, weather, weather's going to play a big part in it. It don't matter which phase you're in. Like we can have 80-degree days like we've had in the last couple of weeks and then have 26-degree mornings in the same day. <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, the rut... The rut here doesn't really peak until, you know, the 20th of November or so. So you've got three, four weeks right there of them just traveling, marking, you know, really hammering scrapes, really uh, hammering down on uh, uh, rub lines and stuff. But with pre-rut, what is your take? Are you going to hit uh, bedding areas during pre-rut, or what do you think? No, not necessarily. What I'm going to do, I'm just going to kind of sit back and wait it out. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, I'm not really in a huge rush. You know, I'm still waiting to see. You know, it's still, you can kind of get a pattern on bucks at that time. Yep. And I don't want to overpressure anything that's happening. Exactly. It Pre-rut's kind of like a finicky thing. You can put too much pressure on them. I do believe that. Like, this year, the only thing I've done, I think I bleeded maybe one time in a three-hour sit, grunted one time, but I never actually tickled my horns together until roughly first, second week of November. Yep. And But peak rut is getting ready to be on, and I'm going to go ahead and let you get started on that one. Yeah. Well, I'm going to touch back on uh, what you were talking about, you know, overpressure and stuff in, uh, in the pre-rut. I fully agree with that. I think some mistakes that people are making is, you know, they're starting to notice these bucks are, are up and they're moving, a lot of scrapes and everything, and they, uh, they're like, yeah, it's time to make some noise. I believe you can blow deer completely out of your area by overcalling deer in pre-rut. Just because they're up and moving does not mean it's time to be blind grunting all over the place. doesn't mean it's time to be beating and banging, rattling horns together as hard as you can. Like, I've got, got nothing against using rattling horns first of November or my grunt call anytime anytime of the year period but uh I don't don't really blind grunt that much once we get on up towards the uh 
So like where we are now, the peak of the rut, I might do a little blind grunting. But I don't want to grunt and uh, rattle hard, blow anything out right now. If I rattle, very light, like two little four-corners, you know, just spar and tickling a little bit. Because it'll work. It'll bring them in. Most of the time, it'll work every now and again and bring a mature buck in early. Not saying that it won't. But in my experience here, early like this, usually brings in immature deer so if i see a buck that i'm targeting or i'm going after i might want to tickle a little bit see if i can get his attention if the grunt doesn't work and bedding areas nah not this not this early i don't want to hit bedding areas until i can see whether it be on my cell cameras or settings you know adjacent to bedding areas that bucks are locking them down and keeping them in bedding areas that's when i'll uh I'll attempt to get into a bedding area if possible. But yeah, peak rut, peak rut is coming in now, pretty much. We're we're in the peak of it right now. Bucks are they have all but disappeared. I think once in a blue moon, I'm catching one of my target bucks on cameras, which means my my camera locations are not spots that I'm gonna hunt right now. They're staying a little thicker, a little deeper, and staying on water with as hot as it's been. And I do believe with you know the temperatures that we've had the majority of this uh this activity that that's going on right now is going to be at night just because we've had some temperatures you know 70s plus but it's going back down this week so it should pick up what's uh what's your plans for this this week so this week i'm going to my virginia location because the past couple times i've sit I have witnessed bucks are on their feet like this past weekend, no weekend before last. I seen nine deer total between two sits and seven out of nine deer was bucks. One of them I snort wheezed in, one I grunted in, and two I rattled in. And you know, it was kind of, it gave me hope and my brother splits my land with me. He killed, the one he killed this weekend was chasing. Then he's seen another one about the same size chasing a couple hundred yards below him. And it's given me hope because it was them cooler days. And like you said, this week's supposed to be cool. So when I'm going to hit it hard as long as much as I can this week. Yeah, I think uh, I think this week is when I'm really going to start uh, putting old black rack to use. Start slamming it a little bit. The extinguisher as well. Uh, no sponsorship, no affiliation or nothing, but I've been using both pretty much since about the second year they've been out maybe the first year i think the extinguisher the first year the black rack the second year they come out but i don't i don't think you can get a better dollar system on on the market period but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna hammer down with them this weekend i'm gonna hit virginia as well i'll hunt here in north carolina a little bit too i'm probably gonna leave the property away from the house here over at cody's i'll probably leave that property alone this weekend from hunter where Hunter just shot his first deer by himself this weekend. My seven-year-old got it done by 100% by himself this weekend on a spike. So we're going to probably let that place cool off after the gun went off. I'm, I'm still getting plenty of pictures, a bunch of those, but with it being towards the peak of rut, I've got groups of those right here. I'm not hunting them does. Them does have either done come in and been bred, haven't come in at all yet, and they're still... You know, I'm seeing fawns with them. The fawns are still with them. They're either, in my opinion, they've either done come in and been bred or they're going to come in late. They're not going to come in now. And if 
they're not in estrus at this time of year i'm not gonna if they're not out you know alone i ain't seeing them go by on camera and then little bucks trailing behind them or something i don't i don't really care to hunt that herd of does right now because something something i've just i've seen in my personal experience is when they're herded up like that or they still have phones with them this time of year bucks ain't been on them bucks ain't been chasing them so i'm not gonna waste my time you know following them around everywhere but so i'm gonna hit virginia this this weekend and we got a pretty good 10 pointer on camera up there i'm guessing 130 135 it just showed up i'm hoping to rattle him in this weekend and uh get it done with my first virginia deer this year you've got you've got one already this year i've got know. two virginia deer under my belt this year and uh, north carolina no i've only got I've only killed one in North Carolina. Yeah. I killed so, that doe. Unfortunately, shot the one and lost it. But, yeah. you know, it's one of them things. It happens. North Carolina, I plan on hitting more to- more towards the end of season, you know, kind of give it time, whatever, because Virginia is our prime spot. Yeah. You know, uh, just that's what I, by the time I get off work, I don't have enough time to hunt North Carolina. So I take my weekends and I go to Virginia because our cameras are showing a lot more than North Carolina property is showing right now. So yep. it's pushing me more towards up there. And you're talking about a 10 pointer around 130 inches. We've got one like that we're after, but it's getting to that time of the year where deer are not consistent on camera. You no. might catch, you might catch them strolling through, yep. but you know, it's just, the no, they're knowing there's a chance of something is going to walk through and you don't know it. Yeah. That's the crazy part. Like, I, I do it myself. Like I'll see, I'll sit and watch my cameras. Nothing's coming in. I don't sweat it. And then I'll have I'll have that one deer that I'm after, or one of the two, three deer that I'm after, show up on camera. At that point, it, it honestly, it's too late. This time of year, you get them on camera once, say middle of the night. Yeah, they probably ain't gonna show during daylight. And then the one time you don't hunt that spot, they're gonna be there nine thirty that morning, broad daylight, standing broadside at twenty yards. It's just how it works. But but yeah, I'm gonna I'm I've hunted North Carolina hard. That's pretty much all I've hunted all season. So we've left it alone up here in Virginia. You know, food plots and everything's been out, so and they they've hit it heavy up there and they have mowed that place. Plenty of deer. We just hadn't really seen anything worth, you know, me taking the trip up there and hunting yet. You know, a bunch of scrub bucks and you know, just small deer. Finally got something big coming in, so I'm gonna take off up there this weekend and see if I can't get it done. But it, it blew my mind. Just like you, ninety percent of the time, Virginia's our, our main property we're hunting. That's where that's where our best deer are. Some of the best deer I've had on camera all year have been in my backyard at Deer's house. <laughs> so I, I really put time in. I shot that I shot that velvet eight opening day. I really I mean, you every time I text you and send you a picture of me sitting in a stand, you're like, Oh God, he finally got out. <laughs> I really haven't hunted that much this year. But I do I do believe that being part of my success rate is because I've stayed out of enough. I've not, I've run my cell cameras, I go into bait, and then I get out and I leave it alone. But, yeah, this, this weekend is going to be my first weekend this year of actually getting to see some real rut action, I believe. I've seen some cruising, you know, I, I rattled uh, kickers in, a little light rattling. But, I mean, he he come in marking the area, but he didn't come in looking for a fight. Because if he come in looking for a fight, he would he would have come on in. To yeah. see what was going on i should have should have shot him i had him at 55 yards and i know some people will think you know that's too far to be shooting a bow and stuff but i religiously practice out 60 and 70 all year long 
it, it's not a shot that is uncomfortable for me. I'm, I'm very confident in my in my abilities at that range. 70 yards, I don't know that I'd shoot one. 60, I mean, technically I've shot one at 84 yards with a bow, but I was young and honestly got lucky. And then I shot that one at 68 yards, but, you know, my pins went up to 100. And I shot a lot more, and I was more confident. But, yeah, if I'd had the right release, I would have shot that deer. Wholeheartedly would have shot him. But what happens when you leave your crap in your uncle's truck, and he drives back off to Charlotte with it. Yeah. But uh, other than that, horn and a half, mm-hmm. I've got a deer. If he was symmetrical, he'd be an eight-pointer. But he's got, you know, mainframe four on one side, and then what do you think? 15-inch spike on the other yeah. side. He has religiously come in every single time I've set that stand. Anytime I've touched the horns together, he shows up. And you was talking about how you haven't set many times this year. Yeah, yeah I've probably set more towards pushing 40 times this year, more than likely because I started down here. But the good thing is, you know, people's going to be like, oh, my gosh, well, you, you know, you just said you don't overpressure. I've got enough spots I can rotate out to where I'm not overpressuring any certain spot oh, yeah. a lot. Well, I tell you, my my take on that is the only time you're overpressuring a spot is when the deer know you're there. Mm-hmm. Like if you're sitting there, the wind's in your face, like the box stand at my house that you, you've hunted out of. For one, you're not really putting much scent because you're in a box. 95 to 98% of the time, the wind is coming from the deer, hitting that box and blowing directly to my house. And then on top of that, with with you know, the house being adjacent to the box stand, they're kind of used to, you know, a little more used to human smells and stuff right there around the house. So if you're not getting busted, you're not, you know, leaving crap in the woods, you're not pissing at the side of your stand and stuff, if you're not letting them know that you're there all the time, I don't think you're overpressuring your stand. I think you can hunt it 100 times and get busted once. I don't think you're overpressuring. But if you hunt it five times and you get busted four times, yeah, you're, in my opinion, yeah, that's when you're overpressuring your stand. So I don't think the, sit real, the number of sits really matter for pressure. It's just how many times have they known that you were there, I think, is where the pressure comes from. But, but yeah, I'm, dude, it's abnormal for me. My wife is absolutely loving it. Like the fact that I've been home pretty much most of the hunting season. And I test most of that by shooting that eight-pointer opening morning. Yeah. I mean, I shot him, and I was like, do I go back now and shoot another one and be done for the whole season? Yeah. But honestly, no more than we've hunted, and especially when you hunt, like I said, you hunt that box stand, they don't have no clue you're there until you shot that one. Yeah, they had no clue. So something I am curious about, what kind of scents do you use during, like, pre-rut, peak rut, and post-rut? Well, it's different now. Uh, I've not been in contact with my buddy. I've got a buddy in uh, Minnesota. He's got a, uh, a scent company called Cook's Fatal, and this is – Cook's fatal uh, deer scent. Uh, it's a free plug for him. Like I don't, he don't pay me. He don't do nothing. But I absolutely love his scent. I've always used his for the last, I don't know, about 2017. I've been using his stuff up until this year. I haven't got any this year, but usually just you know I use his dominant buck. I use his mock scrape scent, his doe and estrus. But North Carolina's changed the law now. You can't use real real deer urine and i i do know that he does carry a synthetic i just really haven't put anything out there and uh i'm not a big fan of uh 
Bomar, the Bomar uh, dude and his old lady hunting. But I one thing I got to agree with is I'm not scared to pee in the scrape. If I know nothing's going to come in right after right after I, I feed in it, within 20 minutes, all urine turns into ammonia. Any smell besides ammonia is gone within 20 minutes. So And it works. Like growing up, I heard old timers telling me this so much. I'm like, y'all are crazy. I would never pee in the deer woods. And just for giggles one day, I was like, we'll see. It was a spot that only had like, you know, maybe one mature buck coming into a lot of small bucks. I'll pee in and see what happens. The mature buck come right in and tore that tore that scrape up. I was like, well, you know, I can't use deer pee, so I'll pee in them this year. But uh yeah, usually it's dominant buck. I'll use drag. Uh, estrus, I'll use drag. Sometimes I'll I'll tie both and drag both in, and then mock scrapes. Mock scrapes. I usually start putting out at like end of August, first of September. I put them out early. A lot of people are, think I'm crazy, but as soon as them as soon as them bucks start separating, they start marking their territory. Whether it's I mean you see you see horn trees early when they when they bust velvet and stuff, they're still horning, still marking their territory. They're still as soon as they, that bachelor group breaks up, they start getting a little more aggressive. Testosterone's building. That's why they split. So you religi- religiously put these mock scrapes in, and then now all of a sudden they're they're ready to start fighting and running other deer out of their territory. They're going to hit that smell again and be like, hey, let's see if this dude's around. And it's worked for me. It's worked for me since I was like 18 years old, I think. I put them out early. And it just, it consistently gets me more buck trail cam pictures early. Like, I mean, we can bait here. I can throw out all the bait I want to. And every now and then they come in. If I've got one living directly right here on the property, they show up. But no matter what, when I put them, them mock scrapes out early season, they're still, whether they live here or not, they still come by and check it. They still rubber forehead on it. And then they go on about their, about their business. But I get more pictures. That's, uh, that's. Pretty much all I use for uh, scrapes and stuff and scents for this time of year. Especially now, it's just going to be pretty much peeing in scrapes. Because North Carolina, this dumbest law I've ever heard. Like, okay, I'm pretty sure, unless it's changed, if I shoot a deer in Virginia, I can use the urine from that deer that I that I harvested. But North Carolina's got a little law wrote in saying that even if I kill this deer right here at my house, I cannot take that from that deer splatter and use right back here at the house but it's okay for him to pee there i i mean it's it's all politics and stuff but i don't agree with it i don't think that's going to stop anything when it comes to the cwd i'm not not sure how widespread it is here if it's even really widespread we're only in the second year of them trying to figure it out and it may be bad but i don't think using deer piss from a deer that's already been living in these woods gonna hurt anything i i guess i can understand with uh the real sense that you buy because if i'm not mistaken according to my buddy from cooks all all their stuff has to be third party tested to make sure it's uh cwd free herd and i think i think it's more than just cwd i think it's all all whitetail diseases before it can be sold but i don't know man i don't agree with a lot of it and but what i think doesn't matter I'm not I'm not high enough up on anybody's yeah. list for it to matter. But uh, what about you? Do you use any scents or just 
use what they're putting in the woods themselves. Really, I've never used any sense of any kind, but I am wanting to try it this year. But I didn't want to really overpower anything with the pre-rut. Just I didn't want to take a chance on scaring anything out of the area that I'm hunting. I don't try to really mention it because I feel like I'm bragging. We've got roughly 300 acres in Virginia. Yeah, that's a lot of land, but we've got a lot of good deer, mature deer, and old deer. You know, like my brother killed one this year probably pushing eight years old. Yeah. And, but, I mean, it's a mile and a half back in the woods. Yeah, there's literally nothing besides his place up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, look, man, I mean, I understand that. you got a, you got a big enough herd. The less you do, I think it's going to be more better off you'll be because no matter what you're doing, if you're adding stuff, putting stuff out there, you got to go out there. you got to touch it. you got to handle it, put it out. I, I think you're putting a dent in the woods. See, that, see, that's one thing I'm afraid of. That mountain has never really been messed with with anything when it comes to, like, bringing in deer urine and stuff like that. And that's one reason I'm afraid to bring any sin in. Don't get me wrong, we've got, you know, like me and my brother, we use grunt calls, bleak calls, rattling, all that good stuff. But, you know, that's not, I don't think that's, you know, going to really push anything away. But, like, as of the scent, possibly you know it's like hey this is something new yeah or like putting out a mock scrape they're not used to it it's really it's kind of back and forth on do i do it do i not you know if i can start them early i'm game to run them but if i can't start them early i like i said i've, I've run uh richard's uh or cook's fatals uh synthetic stuff in virginia when we hunted up our meadows bank i run it i've got i got videos of Six, seven, and a nine-pointer coming in and absolutely demolishing the mock scrape I put out. I know this stuff works, but Virginia is not a, in my opinion, it's not a place to test stuff. You can't bait there. You can't use real deer urine. You can't put minerals and stuff out. But, well, let me rephrase that. You can bait and put minerals and stuff out up until September 1st, but it's not something that you, you can put out deer and hunting season every year so most people don't even most people I, i've not met anybody from virginia that baits in virginia during off season i met some people that probably bait during season in virginia that shouldn't but i mean eat your own you know what i mean if you want to take that risk and get busted go right ahead i'm not but i bait i don't bait much but during off season i bait up until about august and that's just to take inventory on the herd and, uh, but because you can't do none of that stuff up there, when you do actually throw stuff out up there, they, they hammer it. Like during the off season, when you can bait and you can put minerals and stuff out, they hammer the hell out of it. Uh, that synthetic stuff, I put it out. They're not used to smelling, you know, other deer piss besides wild deer. So it works. Like I want to try, I'll probably go ahead and order some, uh, some dominant bucks now from uh from cooks just just to find out in the synthetics because down here i know these deer are used to me running scent wicks and stuff i know they're used to baiting and everything it's just like anything they come out with i throw it out here at the house and tell you right now whether a deer actually likes it or not because they're used to being fed they're used to food plots they're used to minerals they're used to scent they're used to calls so so yeah 
I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and order some of that this weekend and then uh maybe we'll do another podcast on uh just strictly on sense and stuff and we'll do a review and see what see what it comes out and see if it works or it don't work. Yeah. Which I mean, I've seen the stuff work in Virginia but I mean, I'm pretty sure you can you can throw an apple cigar down in Virginia and deer come check it out. Yeah, that's <laughs> a different breed up there. Yeah. But they're just they're not used to that stuff. Like no bait state. I don't know what it is now, but it was like we were one of nine out of the 50 states to keep the bait. Uh, I think Georgia's one of them, too. Uh, Ohio's one. Uh, I can't remember the other one. I, I've hunted this one. I've hunted Georgia. I've hunted Ohio. I know you can bait in them states. But, but yeah, I mean, with getting back on subject, with, uh, with it going us going into picker up right here, I believe this weekend, if wind's right, and conditions are right that I can get in. I believe I'm gonna hammer down on the edge of some bedding areas, and whether it be Virginia, I highly doubt I go to Cody's. Here at the house, I might skirt in on a couple. I've got one bedding area down here at uh, my grandparents' place that's coming off this ridge. They love bedding on this ridge behind their uh, behind their property here. I might get up towards the edge of it and see if I can't catch something coming off the beds. Virginia, I can for sure get on beds. I've got a. It's a uh, ridge. The ridge that faces the river and a ridge that's heading towards the river makes like a like an L shape and they bed all around that that corner of that ridge and I'm gonna walk right in with my saddle because the wind's always blowing up there. Don't matter if it's dry or wet. You can walk with the wind and trunk leaves all you want to. And I'm gonna hunt bedding areas hard. Sign, I like hunting scrapes and stuff if cameras are showing that they're they're actively hitting it, you know, for they've been hitting it for three or four days, probably gonna probably going to hit and try to hunt a scrape other than that not really it's cool to see them horns and rubs and stuff but i don't go looking for scrapes to hunt uh, a lot of people are going to disagree with me they're going to say i've killed a load of deer off scrapes i may have killed two in my lifetime off scrapes but i know getting on a on the edge of a bedding area on the food side of it i have hammered some deer doing that so it's what works for me and that's what i'm going to stick with and try that for the next week and a half before post rut comes around which leads us into post rut what are you what are your plans for post rut post rut i'm going to really you know i'm going to hammer down knowing that peak rut is here then what i'm going to do how i do during preseason i'm going to back off because deer is going to start having more of a schedule and a routine you know but Really, what I'm going to push for right now, our peak spot for like our hot spot and on our land is up at what we call the water hole, which is a natural water hole about 20 foot around, probably roughly six foot deep. Never went dry. Animals stay up there, bear. We've had anything you can imagine on camera. Other, only thing we haven't had it yet is a mountain lion. What about Bigfoot? No, Bigfoot. No, that's a, ain't <laughs> on there yet. I'm expecting it soon. All right. But that's really where I'm going to stick during peak. And then I'm going to ease my way back to the bottom of the mountain because the big bucks that we have on camera do the same thing. They disappear and they push up during peak. And then when after, you know, post rut, you, you will notice on camera activity, they'll start easing their way back down the mountain, back down, down to where all source. the but yeah, food sources and all that stuff. Yeah. I still, like, I, I'm going to be on bedding areas. The best I can, but I mean, if 
weather don't allow me, I ain't going. I ain't going to go in there. But if I can get on bed and areas, I'm going to get on bed and areas. Post rut, I'm going to move off of bed and areas a little bit. I mean, if I got one in there and I know he's still he's still hunting, he's still looking for does. I might I might try to get on it, but I'm going to get probably a hundred yards off of the food source between. I want to be right in the middle between bedding and food source post rut because he's still going to push any doe he sees. He's going to run up on them and see if you know if there's any late comers. And if not, he's going to be heading towards food source trying to put that weight back on that he's run off. So post rut, when there's still a little bit of activity going on, I'm still going to probably hit the horns a little bit, you know, try to simulate that there's uh, there's two fighting over his doe here. But post rut, post rut don't really get me excited. Yeah, like, I, I, know, I know there's a lot of people that's going to hate on it, but. I know, I know you can still kill them, but post rut to me is harder, probably the hardest time of season to kill a, a mature deer. And when post rut's over, leading into uh, you know like second week of December, when you know it's pretty much cleared up, I know post rut can run all the way to January with you know yearling fawns if they get up to body size where they'll actually come into heat and stuff. But for the most part, about the second week of December here, every deer we got's back on food. So, you know, we can bait. I'm going to lay the bait to it. I've got the food plot up. Well, I would say I got the food plot up here, but they have absolutely demolished it. You haven't seen it lately, but it's just dirt. There's nothing green left. Them turnips stood no chance. They might be in there to dig up bulbs, but I don't I don't know if we're going to have bulbs as the size of your hand. It's probably smaller than that. Probably about as big around as a popcorn. Cause I, I mean, you've seen it. They've hammered it. But uh, I'm going to lay bait to it, and I'm just going to hunt food sources but with uh my opinion you know because they're still in post rut they're still actively hunting because they ain't quite ready to give up yet they're still unpredictable it's it's hard to pattern them you can't you can't stay on them like peak rut you might get one on camera and i've got buddies that i've talked to about it that's hunted properties adjacent to me i'll have this deer on camera like say tomorrow morning he shows up on camera that evening He's three miles away on their property. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's hard to keep up with them. It's Post rut, I think, is just a luck game. You, you might get lucky that he come by yours because once he's bred what those are around him are bred, he's going he's gonna to go look. I know new deers are going to move in, or new bucks are going to move into your property once he, once he bounces out to look just the same, but it's still just a luck game. Free rut. Last week of October, first three, two to three weeks of November, that's when I, I try to be in the woods the most. Peak rut, I love it, but, I mean, when they're locked down, they're locked down. There's no guarantees that you're going to get them to come up on you. You're not going to get them on a food source. They're not letting that doe leave. They're going to stay with her for three to four days, and then they're going to move off to another one. So, peak rut's fun. Can be killer, especially when you got two or three bucks chasing one doe or Trying to trying to steal a doe from another buck, it's exciting. But pre rut is by far my favorite time. What about you? You know, peak rut is going to be my favorite time. You know, it's just hands down most activity. There's nothing like just hearing running through the woods and grunting. You know, a buck, a mature buck after a hot doe. I've only witnessed it very few times. You know, seen it. I've had a bunch come by me with deer in distance. 
I can hear him grunting. He's on her, you know. I've heard. I've only ever seen very few. I've never actually seen a good mature deer, like the one I shot last year during muzzleload season. He was looking. He wasn't, you know, second week, second week in November. Seeking phase. He was seeking. He wasn't really flared up and hot, you know. He just kind of he come out on a slight trot, all that stuff. But you could tell that something was going on. And there was actually in the field I was hunting, there was a scrape about twenty yards up the hill from me. This deer come out. I passed on it the first time because it was it was a shot I wasn't comfortable with. But thank God he come back out later the evening and he was making a beeline straight for that scrape and I stopped him and made the shot. But you know it's really I don't think all deer is the same. You know some may come in, some may be full blast last week of October and some may not go in fully until third week of november i agree i but think i got I th- personalities like we do yeah and i think this week temperature the being you know the high is going to be in the mid 50s lows is going to be in the 30s i believe yeah. i think it's going to be prime time to be in the woods yeah that a prime example of uh of deer being different like uh you've seen all the video footage i've got of horn and a half coming mm-hmm. into rattling he comes in he sees the decoy he's you know he's standoffish He's not very confrontational. He don't want to come in. He ain't trying to check the decoy out. The spike that come in with him come over and headbutted the decoy. He didn't hear it. Now, kicker, kickers come in. He come in, seen the decoy, hauled the ground, horn trees. He, he snapped a tree over there. He wasn't quite ready for a fight because he didn't he didn't commit to it. But he was he was ornery enough. He's like, hey, dude, this is my spot. I'm gonna show you who I am. You see me, you know, get on out of here. Yeah, but. Now, maturity level, four and a half, kickers, they're the same age deer. Same body size, same age, two completely different temperaments. So, yeah, that's why I say I think I got personalities just the same as we do. Some of them are, I've seen bucks that run from grunts and run from rattling horn in the peak of rut. They're like, nope, out, gone. I have actually witnessed that one time this year. I had a deer come in, you know, thinking he was coming in to me grunting or rattling, you know. But he come in, and he was starting to walk off, and I was like, well, I'm going to kind of test this a little bit. And I would grunt, and he'd pick his head up, and he would just make a beeline the opposite direction. Yeah. Didn't want confrontation. Yeah. But the biggest deer that I have seen in the woods this year, about a 110-inch six-pointer, I mean, he was massive. I've never seen a six-pointer that big. I actually rattled him in. You know, I heard him coming up behind me. He come up to about 10, 15 yards inside of me, and he just stood there, and then, Another little spike was coming with him, and he got on the other side about 10, 15 yards, and they lingered around trying to figure it out, but they they just eventually walked off. Yeah. See, now, uh, that big six I got, or the one I named big six, he disappeared. I ain't had pictures. I've had him three days after the original. I ain't seen him at all. Then the big eight, I ain't never even named that deer. I don't know. Didn't want to give him a name because I don't know if he's going to stick around. You know, it's the first year back on Cody's property in about five years but uh i don't know if he's gonna stick around i don't know if he lives there or not he could be passing through because you know it was about the first of november when i got this property back this year just threw some cameras up but he's done busted i don't know that he's a shooter he's probably 125 inches with a bow probably i'd have to see him in person he may he may be my biggest deer to date with a bow maybe may not be i don't know i'd have to see him in person but i know something up there whether the horns are big enough or not, he's got enough ass behind him. He's done broke him up. He's done broke his G3 off, and the G3 was like six inches in this year. 
know, busted him up. They're gone. The six pointer ain't the big six. He, I mean, he was every bit as wide as actually. I think he was wider than they. He's gone. Every good deer I've got on camera disappeared before. It was, I mean, they've been gone for like two and a half, three weeks now. No, it could be from cruising, but I honestly think I just haven't seen the deer that run them off yet because I shot that 140 inch nine over there with a bow. You want to talk about sick? Shot a hundred every bit of 140 inch nine. I say he's 140 inches because he was wider than my big deer that's on the wall, but it, he was just as heavy horned and he he just didn't quite have the time in. This deer was 23, 24 inch inside. I showed you he's huge. And the deer on the wall at the house was 145 and 7 8. He didn't have the height and the, the time length, but where he lo- lacked in time length, he had it in the width. So I clipped that deer. Well, actually, my, my limb clipped my climber, and I clipped him in the chest at 20 yards. Shows you how, how little it takes to throw an arrow off. We tracked that deer for 600 yards, lost blood, backed out, got a dog, took him to the last blood, went another 1,500 yards, jumped him. He was still alive, and he you he did not look hurt when he was leaving. But uh, so I know there's big deer over there. There was an eight pointer. I had that deer in velvet. Had all them pictures of him when he first showed up in velvet. There was an eight pointer that was like his twin brother, looked just like him, except he was missing a crab claw. So I know there's I know there's there can be monstrosities over there, especially Briar State. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, that might be listening to this think 140. We let them walk. Yeah. We'll, Nobody in North Carolina lets 140s walk. If they do, it's because they know they got a 150, 160. It's the only reason. It'd be nice if we could let them walk around here, but we got way too much brown that's down. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm waiting to see what deer is running them off. I get him on camera, then I'll probably start really strategizing and being on that property more. Yeah. And you know, back to the camera thing. You know, we still got the one main deer that we've got still he's on a pattern on camera you know he'll come in about every other day he even daylighted on us at like four o'clock in the evening that's the one day i was at work and my brother was at work yep. we don't get it you know he daylighted that one time and then you know he could light back first thing in the morning before the crack of day and right after he will slip up eventually. Yeah, it's right side, right down the season for him. He's probably, well. like I said, he's probably a good 120 to 130 inches at this point. You know, he's a good probably five-year-old. But just that, like I said, that mountain deer, I don't want to put out old deer. Yeah. My brother has got some deer coming in here, too, that's still coming. Yep. So, I mean, one of them things. Yeah, man. Ah, dude, it, I mean, it sounds like, you know, we're hunting all this property and stuff. Like, my Virginia property is 11 acres. My, right here at the house, all in all, there's more property than that. But as far as what we're hunting, four or five acres max. And then Cody's, I think it's a 62-acre property. And I think as far as what is huntable, 30 acres. That That's my big property. 30 acres is, is my big property. So it, it doesn't take much. To, uh, to really get this done. All you got to do is, you can have one acre. As long as your one acre is in between where they want to be, you can catch them. You ain't got to have, you know, like you're talking about your 300 acres, not trying to brag or nothing. No, some of us, I mean, I've, I've had 500 acres worth of property and two properties that we hunted, and they connected to each other. 
big properties are awesome. You can do a lot more management and stuff with them, and you can get in, you can hunt real bedding areas. You can hunt big food sources and stuff on it, but you ain't got to have it. I mean, you don't. I killed that uh, that one forty five and seven eighths that I killed. I killed him. We had thirty acres, twenty seven of it. No, twenty five of it was horse pasture. An acre and a half of it was the guy's house, and there was a pond and a patch of woods. I killed that deer out of that patch of woods. So like, call it two and a half, three acres. And you know, you got a pond about the size of what my grandparents have down here at their place, which is I don't know about a half acre pond, something about like that. Still killed killed my biggest deer to date, which I mean, it. The only thing that's there, there was a big field on the other side, just a big hay field. That's all it was, and then there was some timber on the other side of it. I couldn't. I had one stand up in there. I couldn't go to my right. I couldn't go to my left. I could walk into my stand. I had fifty to eighty yard shot out in front of me, and then after that, I was I was trespassing, so I couldn't go nowhere. But all it took was a little pending grunt. He come right across that property line to me. Simple as can be. But I think that's about going to wrap it up for this one. Unless you got anything else to add? Oh, I believe I've said everything that I need to. This has been a bunch of hunting stories and a little more rambling than normal, but uh, dealing with work and sickness and sick kids and stuff, we've been a little behind. So. Right. Man, it's the hunt that makes Marshall the winner. Yeah. Like, like, like we've said before, just work with us. We know it's a full time job. Yep, I mean, we're doing it because we we enjoy doing the podcast. We have fun with it. It's something we're passionate about, and hopefully, uh, you know, people listening will get a kick out of it. Whether you learn anything or not, as long as you laugh, it'll be worth it. For Thanks for listening to the We Hunt podcast. We'll see you in the next episode.